0: Let me read you some quotes from some third graders. These are third graders, actual tests a while back in a a, uh, private school, and their test was on the Bible. And so these are some of their answers. Solomon, one of David's sons, had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. (laughs) The seventh amendment is, thou shalt not admit adultery. I think the word is commit there. Moses died before he reached Canada. (laughs) Then Joshua led the Hebrews in the battle of Jericho. Here's one more. The greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. <laughs> I would have to agree with that one first All right. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and put a marker at John chapter 9. If you're new here, there are sermon notes in the bulletin. And what I would desire is for you to follow along and to write down things that the Holy Spirit prompts to you during the message. And we go through many, many scriptures, but we turn normally to two passages a week. So uh, put a marker at John 9, John chapter 9. Put a, a string or a pen or a piece of paper at John chapter 9 so that you can turn quickly there later in the message, but open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, we've been in a series on the Holy Spirit. And this series is kind of divided in two parts. In other words, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit for six weeks now, and now we're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit. So we're going through the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. The, as we go through the work of the Holy Spirit, though, we will learn more things about His person. And so we're going to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, all right? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Is everybody there? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. In a moment, I'll tell you why this chapter begins with the two words, now concerning. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. I'll tell you why he also said that. Carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. He's clarifying what a true believer is or a non-believer. Then he goes into the gift, verse 4. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And I'm going to explain each of those verses and what they mean. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. I just want you to notice the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. How many of you are in each one? All of you? Okay, good. So you can experience these manifestations. Verse 8. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits; to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, notice each one again, individually as He wills. Now, let me explain to you a little bit of the background, the 1 Corinthians, before we go into the, the specific gifts here in these specific scriptures. You're probably not going to believe me when I first tell you this, but I'll show it to you in a moment. First Corinthians, First Corinthians is actually Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. (laughs) And second Corinthians is actually Paul's third letter to the Corinthians. First Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul said, I wrote to you in my epistle. In other words, he's referring to an earlier epistle that he wrote. By the way, an epistle is not a wife of an apostle. An epistle is simply a letter. That's all the word epistle means. It means letter, all right? So Paul said, I wrote to you in my earlier letter. Now, follow me, all right? Paul writes a letter to the church at Corinth. Then they write a letter back to Paul. Then 1 Corinthians is Paul's letter answering their letter answering his letter. Everyone follow that? All right? Um, I don't. we don't know where the first epistle is, by the way. We don't have the first epistle. It didn't make it in the Bible. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the first uh, letter that Paul wrote and, and the Lord said to him, that ain't going to make it, buddy. <laughs> uh, you're going to have to get a little bit better if you want it in the Bible. Let me just tell you that right now. And apparently he did get better because uh, he wrote one-third of the New Testament. So he got pretty good at writing the Bible, all right? But the first one didn't make it. The First 1 Corinthians, First Corinthians is the second letter he wrote. Second Corinthians is the third letter he wrote. And he writes this letter to Corinth. Now, let me tell you about the city of Corinth. He said, you used to be Gentiles. You were Gentiles. Many of the uh, books of the Bible are written to Jews. This one is not. It is written to a primarily Gentile church. The church in Corinth was more Gentile than Jewish. And Corinth is where Paul made the statement. You've probably read this statement or heard this statement. This is where Paul said, I'm going to the Gentiles. He's going, he, every city he would go in, he would preach, he would go to the synagogues, and he would show the Jews that Yeshua, Jesus, was their Jewish Messiah. And in Corinth, they rejected that, and so he said to them, "I'm going to the Gentiles." Now, what he did actually was he moved into the house next door to the synagogue, <laughs> so he was still available in case some of them wanted to come over, and he might have even preached real loudly so they could hear. I, I don't know, but he moved into a house of a man named Justice, and he began preaching to the Gentiles, and many, many Gentiles in Corinth believed. So. Corinth was a very Gentile church, all right? That's what he's referring to. By the way, um, Corinth was a sinful city. Let me tell you something else about it. It was a wealthy, sinful city. Now, I just want you to think about the area in which we live, not just South Lake, Colleyville, this area, but think about the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Think about America, a very, very wealthy, sinful nation. And Corinth, see, Corinth is a good book for us to read. It's very good because we're a lot like the Corinthians. And he writes them a letter, and he writes everyone else a letter. You know, the the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, it only took one letter for everybody else. It took three for Corinth. He writes them a letter. They write him a letter back and say, we don't understand what you're talking about. So he writes back 1 Corinthians, they write another letter saying we still don't get it, so he writes Second Corinthians, and then at the end of Second Corinthians, in, in exasperation, he says, I'll probably just have to come visit you again. That's what he said. And he does, by the way. He goes back to Corinth to straighten them out. That's how messed up they are. And I think that's really good for the American church, because <laughs> I think we're pretty messed up when it comes to a lot of things he addressed in these two letters. So, and maybe even the three letters. Um, Corinth was a very sinful place. Um, most of you have heard of Greek mythology. You probably studied Greek mythology. It's amazing to me that we teach Greek mythology in schools. That's amazing to me. And we can't teach the Bible. We can teach myth, but we can't teach, can't teach fact. Isn't that amazing? So, most of us know Greek mythology, unfortunately. We know about Zeus and all these demons. Gods, they say, that aren't gods, but in Corinth was um, uh, a goddess that most of us have heard of. Uh, she was called the goddess of love, and her name was Aphrodite. You remember that? Okay. The temple, the the temple of Aphrodite, was in Corinth. By the way, she's not the goddess of love; she's the demon of sex. That's what it is. It's the spirit of sex. It wasn't love. In the temple, there were over 500 temple prostitutes. And they taught that if you had problems in your marriage, the way to get your marriage on track was to worship the goddess of Aphrodite and to go to the temple and have sex with the temple prostitute. Well, what what an opposite spirit of the Spirit of God. The way to help your marriage is to be unfaithful. Commit adultery. Isn't that amazing? So this is, this is the Corinth. Uh, the phrase, a Corinthian girl, meant a prostitute. Like our phrase, she's a lady of the evening. It's just a different way to say she's a prostitute. So this is Corinth. This is the background. Now, what is very encouraging to me is a wealthy, sinful city. God wants a spirit-filled church in that city. God wants them to understand the operation and the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit writes this letter. And gives me a lot of encouragement. Now, we're going to talk about the gifts, though. There's a lot of confusion on the gifts. Have you noticed that? You know, the gifts passed away. These gifts passed away. These gifts are still here. You know, it's amazing how we select. These gifts aren't here. These gifts are. We need these gifts. We don't need these gifts. Even the offices. You know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I don't know if you noticed, but we did away totally with apostles and prophets. You know, we just have a past evangelist, pastors, and teachers. Past evangelists uh, are if you travel, pastors are if you don't travel, teachers are if you can't preach. You know, that's that's how we kind of clarify. Well we didn't have any more apostles and prophets, you know. So we've got all this confusion, and then you hear people talk, there are nine gifts, there are 16 gifts, there are eight gifts, there are 12 gifts, there are 29 gifts, one book says. I heard one guy, one guy said to me, you know, there are 29 gifts, and I had 28 of them. <laughs> I thought, it, yeah, the one you don't have is the gift of humility. That's That's the one you're missing. So there's all this confusion about the gifts. So I want to clarify it. Now, in verses 4, 5, and 6, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, verses 4, 5, and 6, clarify the different gifts. Verse 4 says, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, says there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, this word gift is the Greek word charisma. You've probably heard of the magazine Charisma. It is where we get our English word charismatics, in other words, people who believe in the gift. But this word actually means gift of grace, grace, gift. And it is the same word in Romans 12 where the seven motivational gifts are listed. Now, all I'm doing is an overview. This is not a class on the gift. We need classes on the gifts. By the way, we're going to have a lot of classes when we get in the new building. I want Bible teaching, but we just don't have the facility to do it. So we will have classes on marriage, classes on the gifts, classes on finances. We have a lot of teachers God's already brought to the church that we want to to uh, release to teach and to oversee what they're teaching, but we just can't do it yet. So this isn't a class on the gifts, but it's an overview. All right. There are seven motivational gifts: prophecy, serving, exhortation teaching, leading, giving, and mercy, and you have one of those gifts, one as a motivation, as a leading gift. It's what, it, it's what butters your brand, to use an old term. It's what you like to do. It's what you want to do. It's what you get up in the morning thinking about that you have one of those gifts. Now, you may be high in several. That's wonderful. That's actually good, and you, and you need all seven of them. You should have all of them present in your life, and you need to work on the ones that you're low in. For instance, if you take one of those gift tests, this guy said one time, he said, you know, I took that gift test, and I had no mercy. Okay, that's not something to brag about. (laughs) What that means is you need to work on getting mercy in your life because we need all of them, all right? So those are the seven motivational gifts of the Spirit. They're in verse 4. That's what verse 4 is referring to. Verse 5, oh, by the way, in verses four, five, and six, I hope you've noticed as we've gone through the series on the Holy Spirit, how many times you see the Trinity in the Bible. Just, just notice verse four. Notice the word uh, Spirit. You see, verse Spirit. I mean the uh, uh, the word Spirit in verse four. Verse five. Notice the word Lord. And verse six. Notice the word God. There's the Holy Spirit. Jesus, the Lord of Lords, and God the Father. So there, there's the trinity in these three verses. Now, verse 5 says that there are differences of ministries. These are referring to the offices of the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, and probably even the offices of elder and deacon in the church. These are listed in Ephesians 4 and 1 Timothy. So these are the ministries of the church. By the way, if all of us have one gift, which is verse 4, the gift, all of us have one, but we should, we should strive to have all of them present in our life. But verse 5, there's only a few. There's only some apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's what it says. It says there are some apostles, from prophets. Let me tell you why. Not because they're special. It's because we don't need very many of them. It's because they're not very special at all. We really don't need very many apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know what we need? We need a whole bunch of saints. Because what the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers do is equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Listen, as a pastor, I don't do the work of the ministry. I do it as a believer. As a believer, I witness. As a believer, I cast demons out of people. As a believer, I I pray for the sick. As a believer, not as a pastor. As a pastor, my job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You pay me to get you to work. (laughs) It's a great job. (laughs) Robert Morris will never reach Dallas-Fort Worth, but Gateway Church will. We will as a body. So that's my function. My function is to equip you. So that's verse 5. Verse 6 says, and there are diversities of activities. This word activities is the Greek word uh, energima. energama. I just want you to think, what English word do you think we get from energama? Energy these are referring to the nine manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit. this word here energy it is when the Holy Spirit energizes us. the holy Spirit and I, I don't mean this you know try, but excuse me, but the holy spirit is is the real energizer bunny <laughs> okay i don't know Have you all seen that commercial? Have you ever wanted to just shoot that bunny all right that's just a, that's different um It's just a fantasy that I have. Uh, The Holy Spirit is the one who keeps on going. When you're tired physically, mentally, emotionally, and even spiritually, it's the Holy Spirit that can energize you to keep going. And that's what these manifestations are. They are energy of the Holy Spirit. And they're for all of us. Verse 7 says, "...for the manifestation of the Spirit..." is given to each one for the profit of all. First Corinthians 12, 7. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Now, how many of you are each one? You're real quiet. Those services aren't as quiet as you. How many of you are in each one? All of you, right? And verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one as He will. Are you in each one? All of you in each one. So you can have any of these gifts of the Spirit. But let me clarify something. You don't possess any of these gifts. You don't own any of them. They are owned by the Holy Spirit. And you have the Holy Spirit, which means the Holy Spirit can manifest any of these gifts in you. I've heard people for years, and there's the misunderstanding, I have this gift. I've heard people say, you know, I have the gift of the Word of Knowledge. I have that gift. No, you don't. You may minister in that gift frequently, but let me tell you, that, that, that's great. That's the Holy Spirit. using you in that gift. And if you get prideful about it, he doesn't have to use you. He can use someone else. So the Holy Spirit wants to manifest all of these gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gift of healing, faith, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. And I want you to memorize these nine gifts. Now, they're not hard to memorize, okay? The reason you need to know these gifts is because the Holy Spirit wants to use you in these gifts, every one of you. These are not for superstars. These are supernatural abilities for natural people. Listen, the gifts of the Spirit are not natural abilities. Don't look and say, well, he's just, he's just very gifted naturally. That's why he can move in these. No, these are supernatural gifts. For every person, you can, you can move in every one of these gifts. So we're going to divide them in three categories so we can memorize them, and I'm going to do three messages, I think, on them. We'll, we'll leave that to the Holy Spirit as to how that comes out. Here's the first message, So the Holy Spirit reveals. And this is the first category. These are what we're going to call the discerning gifts. These are discerning gifts. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. All right? Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. These are revelatory gifts where the Holy Spirit opens it up to you. And you don't know something, but he opens it up to you. So the first category is the Holy Spirit reveals. They are discerning gifts. They are the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. The second category, and this will be next week's message, the Holy Spirit speaks. These are declarative gifts. These are prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. This is when the Holy Spirit speaks through a person. These are declarative gifts. And the third is the Holy Spirit empowers. These are dynamic gifts. We get the word dynamic from the Greek word dunamis which we also get the word dynamite. These are the power gifts some people refer to. These are faith, healings, and miracles, all right? So that's the three categories. The discerning, which is word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirit. The declarative gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy, and the dynamic gifts, faith, healings, and miracles. Now, is that easy to, to memorize? Okay, you will have a test next week. So I want you to memorize those, all right? This week we're talking about the Holy Spirit revealed. All right? Here's the first revelatory gift of the Holy Spirit, the Word of Knowledge. The definition of the Word of Knowledge is to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. To know something specific without having learned it by natural means. In other words, you don't know this. There's no natural way that you could know this, but the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. You know something, and the key word here is specific. You know something specific, but you haven't learned it. No one taught you this. You didn't read it in the book. All of a sudden, you know something about a situation, and it's very specific. Now, it's specific. You've probably had this happen before, where you you comment to your spouse or to a friend, you say, you know, I know something. I just know something. And and your friend or your spouse says, "Well, well, what do you know? And you say, I don't know, but I know something. Okay, that's not a word of knowledge. That's a feeling that you have. It's just a feeling. And a feeling is a good place to start. That's a great place to start. But now you need to press into the Holy Spirit and say, what are you trying to tell me? Why do I have this feeling about what my friend is going through? Why do I have this feeling about this situation? What is it, Holy Spirit? And allow him to give you a word of knowledge. Now, the caution, though, is don't make something up. Because if you make something up, then it's not going to happen, it's not right, and then you're going to be disappointed because you thought you heard God. And that's the way the enemy is. The enemy will come along and say to you, in other words, you'll think, and all of us have had this, every one of us have, have had this happen, you know, I really thought I heard God, and then it didn't turn out to be God. And when that happens, the enemy comes along and says, you can't hear God. You know, you're not a spiritual pastor so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so. You just can't hear God. Yes, you can hear God. But it's a learning process. We have to learn. It's um, I, I was talking to my mother-in-law a while back. My mother-in-law is a Sunday school teacher. She loves the Lord. She studies all the time. She studies the Word. And then when we go in to visit every few months, she has these questions for me, you know, these theological questions. She's kind of stored up, you know, because... Because I'm, you know, I'm an expert. I don't know if you all know. But. And so she, she has these theological questions for me, you know. And so at some point during all our reads, we sat down and she asked me. The uh, funny thing is I normally learn more in our conversations than I think she does because she really loves the Lord and the Holy Spirit reveals things to her. So about three weeks ago we are talking about something and she's asking me a question. And then she makes this statement. And and she makes an an offhand statement afterwards that blew me away. She said, you know, I I kind of feel in my spirit that God might be doing this in this situation. And then she just says, but, you know, I've learned that what I feel in my spirit is not always what he feels in his spirit. And then she just went on, and I couldn't go on. I thought, that's amazing what you just said. What she was acknowledging was is that she has a spirit we have a body soul and spirit and she was saying i know i have a spirit but i also know that my spirit is learning to hear god and that everything that i sense every feeling that i have is not always god and i've learned that that yes i might sense something but it might not be god when i'm sensing are are y'all following on that so that's what we're talking about that that's a word of knowledge and it means that we're learning to hear God, but it means that God speaks to us or reveals to us something that we don't know in the natural. Now, the Scripture for it, let me just give you a, an example in the Scripture. John 4, verses 16 through 19, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, well, you have well said. In other words, you you, you did good on that one, lady saying, I have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. And then this woman makes one of the funniest statements in the Bible to me. She said, I perceive you're a prophet. (laughs) I, I think I would have perceived that too, you know, after that. Now, here's the point. Yes, Jesus was fully God, but he was also fully man when he was on this earth. And Jesus the man had never met this woman before. He had no natural knowledge. This was revealed to him by the Spirit. He had no natural knowledge that she'd been married five times before and she's living with a person now not married. The Spirit revealed. That's a word of knowledge. Very specific. And let, let me tell you something. When these gifts occur in your life, and the more frequently they occur, the more you're able to recognize them, it's a very, very strong impression from the Lord. I was at... um. Furs cafeteria several years ago, right over on like 183 and 157. That, that Furs right over there. And this great big guy came walking in with his wife. i huge. Everybody in the restaurant saw him, you know. Uh, I found out later he was Mr. Universe. So, you know, he, he was very easy to spot. Huge. Little bitty waist, big shoulders. Kind of like me. And so he comes. Walked in the room. Everyone notices the guy, you know. And as soon as he walked in, I heard the Holy Spirit say something. And I mean, it just, now let me tell you one way that I recognize the Holy Spirit. I almost began to cry because there's a heart of compassion. You feel what God is feeling for this person. And I was so burdened for him, and I knew something immediately. And I remember it was very specific, and it it was a pretty strong word. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I, I hope you're right because he's really big. <laughs> and so I, 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 it got stronger, and I finally went over to him, and I decided to break the ice. You know, I just, I I, I thought, I, well, I'll say something, you know, that I think's kind of funny and kind of break the ice. And so I, I walked by the table, and I said, uh, excuse me, I said, uh, I, thought I just kind of have a feeling. I said, I don't know this for sure, but I said, have you ever worked out with weights, you know? <laughs> And, uh, you know, he laughed and he said, a few times, you know. And so I said, well, um, that's, that's not really why I came over. I said, I came over because God spoke something to me about you. And immediately he looked at his wife and his eyes filled up with tears. I found out later they'd been talking about God right there. And I said, would you mind if I shared it with you? And he said, no, please. I said, when you were eight years old, you were sitting in your grandmother's lap crying. And your grandmother told you the story of Samson and told you that if you would dedicate your life to God, you could ask God to make you as strong as Samson, but you'd have to live for him. And you prayed and you prayed, God, please make me as strong as Samson, but you promised him that you would live for him. And the Lord came told me to come tell you that he's kept his end of the deal, but you haven't kept yours. And he's not mad at you. He loves you, and he wants his son back. And this big guy began to cry, and he said, would you sit down for a minute? I I was very relieved, by the way. (laughs) And he said... My wife and I, he said when we, he told me the story. He said, I was raised by my grandmother. My mother was a single working mother. I never knew my father. I don't know my father to this day. And when I was eight years old, some boys in the neighborhood made fun of me because I was very small. And they threw rocks at me, and one of the rocks hit me in the head and cut my head. And I ran into the house crying. My grandmother held me in her lap while I was crying. She wiped away my tears, and she told me the story of Sapson. And she told me that God would make me as strong as Samson if I would give my life to him. And I did. But I haven't kept my end of the deal. And he told me, he said, I'm I'm Mr. Universe. And my wife and I were just talking because I've gotten to the top. And I'm not happy. And we were just saying, we need to get back in church. And we need to get our life right with God. And I led he and his wife to the Lord right there at the table. Now listen to me. If you don't get anything from me and out of Gateway Church other than this, if you're here one week or ten years, get this. Please always remember this. I'm not special. I, I want you to remember that more than anything I ever preached to you. I am not a special person. I'm a normal person. And the Holy Spirit wants to use you Just like he uses me. All we have to do is yield to him. I want you to begin asking the Holy Spirit for words and knowledge. Because he wants to use you too. So that's the first one. The second one is discerning of spirits. The definition of discerning of spirits is to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. Now, the Greek word here, you probably don't need to know the word, but it's diacrisis. But literally what it means is judging through. I like that definition. Judging through. It means that by the Spirit I'm able to see through the natural circumstances into the supernatural into the spiritual circumstances. It is a, a, it is a revelatory gift of the Holy Spirit, and it happens at a specific time. Listen again, you don't possess this, this gift. You don't walk around with this gift. It's when you're meeting with someone, when you're praying with someone, when they have a problem, and the Holy Spirit reveals to you that there is a demonic spirit attacking that person, and it happens in an instant. Now, I want you to notice this verse of gift is listed in, in verse 10. The discerning of this gift is is in verse 10, discerning of spirits. Now, it doesn't say discernment. It is the gift of the discerning of spirits. Now, listen to me. I'm going to pop some bubbles here. There is no gift of discernment in the Bible. That doesn't mean we shouldn't want discernment or desire it. It means the Bible actually says you need to train your senses so you can discern between good and evil. But listen to me. There's no gift of discernment. You know why I'm saying that? Because I've met a lot of prideful people and don't punch your spouse right now. And this is what they say. You know, I have the gift of discernment. Just, you know I have, you know I'm special. I can tell what's in people's hearts. No, you can't. Most people who tell me they have the gift of discernment actually have the gift of criticism, and they're very critical. And they think, you know, I can, you know, I'm a little more spiritual than other people. And I can I can just tell. You better get off of that. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit <laughs> that the Holy Spirit possesses. And this gift is not the gift of discernment. There's not a gift of discernment in the Bible. This is the gift of discerning of spirits. It means to be made aware of an evil spirit. Well, here, here's, the, here's the reference to it. Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 18. It happened as, he, as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit like fortune This girl followed Paul and us, cried out and cried out saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, look at what she said. These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. What was wrong with what she was saying? Nothing. Nothing. How would you know by the natural that she had a spirit of divination? But Paul knew it by the Spirit. Look at verse 18. And this he did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. See, he didn't know by the natural. There was no way to know in the natural. She's saying, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Nothing wrong with what she's saying, but it was a Spirit of divination. And do you know why God didn't want that? Because God didn't want a recommendation from the devil. This woman was a fortune teller, and everyone knew she was a fortune teller, and everyone knew she had a spirit of divination. They knew there was a, there's something wrong. They were, they were heathens. They didn't know she had a spirit of divination. They just knew she was spiritual in some way. And so Paul recognizes that's not the Holy Spirit. That's a spirit of divination, and he cast it out just like that. That's being made aware of a spirit. I was um, um, praying one Sunday morning, and I pray for you. And some of you I don't even know your name because the church has grown so quickly. But I your faith will come to my mind. And I pray for you and I pray for your family. And one morning, this family's faith, their faces came to my mind. Good family. Love the Lord. Leaders here in the church. Leaders. And this family comes to my mind. And as I'm praying, immediately, so strongly, the Holy Spirit said to me, There's a spirit attacking this family. And I knew what the spirit was. And that morning at church I said to them, Can I can I meet with y'all for a little while? I, I want to share something with you. And they said, Sure. And I said to them, I began to say to them, There's a spirit attacking your family. This is what he's saying. This is what he's doing. And as I was telling it, they were saying, Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. And I said, This spirit's attacking you, and I know this spirit. And I said, if you'll trust me, I'll get this spirit off of you. But you're going to have to trust me. And they said, We trust you. We we've been here long enough to, to trust this. And so I took authority of the spirit. They left the office. It wasn't like some big manifestation or something. The next week, they said to me, everything's different. Everything's been different. The atmosphere in our home is different. The confusion is gone. The discouragement is gone. It's all different. Even our conversations with each other is different. And three weeks later they said to me again, they carried me again, the they said, we want to tell you thank you, thank you, thank you for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because everything's changed since you took authority over that spirit. That is the gift of the discerning spirit. And everybody can minister in that gift. And here's the third gift, the word of wisdom. A word of wisdom is a divine answer or solution for a particular situation. A divine answer or solution for a particular situation. This is not, don't don't go around saying, you know, I have the gift of wisdom. I'm smarter than everybody else. That's not what this is. This is God's wisdom showing up in a particular situation. It's God's answer, God's solution, God's perspective showing up in the midst of a problem. God all of a sudden just shows up. Now, listen to me. How many of us need a word of wisdom in our marriage? How many of us need a word of wisdom with our children? Think about just these three gifts. Just these three gifts. How would you like to have a word of knowledge about something going on in in your kid's life? How would you like to have the discerning spirit and know which spirit is attacking which children? How would you like to know which spirit is attacking your marriage? How would you like to know when there's a spirit attacking your finances? Have you ever had to go through a season where something broke, something else broke, something else? Somebody said, yeah, about 10 years when going through a season. <laughs> but just, just, just at one thing after another. Listen, sometimes it's a spirit. Here's what we do. We say, Holy Spirit, did I open the door? Did I do something? Did I open the door to this? And what spirit is this? And how do I repent and take authority over this spirit and get it out of my finances? Rather than just trying to trying to keep getting our head above water, let's ask the Holy Spirit. That's what he's here for. That's the word of wisdom. Now, go to John chapter nine. And I want to show you a word of wisdom in John 9. This is the last thing we're going to cover. But before we get to the word of wisdom, uh, we're going to read a lot of John 9. The reason is John 9 is a great chapter in the Bible. It is a great chapter. Um a guy gets healed, he's blind, and he gets healed in John 9, and he gets in all this trouble because he got healed. It's, it's unbelievable what happens. You're not even going to believe what you're about to read in the Bible, all right? A guy's sitting there, gets healed, and then you're, you're not going to believe what happens, all right? John 9, verse 1. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Never seen And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, look at me just for a minute. That bothers me. (laughs) I want you to think about this. They passed by a blind man, and the disciples said, Who sinned, this man or his parents? Immediately critical of the blind man. Immediately looking for fault in the blind man. And here's what bothers me. They were more concerned about theology than they were about people. This is the church today. You cannot imagine how many people, even people coming here, and you know the first thing, well, now, what do you believe about that? What do you believe? What do you? And I understand that we need to go to church and understand their theology. But let me explain something to you. We are concerned about relationship. We are concerned about helping you, blessing you, equipping you, training you, ministering to you, loving you, having relationship with you. And you can't imagine how many churches are so hung up on theology and not about helping people. The church, church today in America is more concerned with having right theology, and I believe we need to have right theology. Please understand. But there are things that we get hung up on. Listen, I am not going to try to figure out the exact date and time Jesus is coming back. All right? I just want you to know that. I'm not going to have a bunch of charts up here trying to figure that out for you. What I will try to do is get you ready for him coming back, and I will also try to equip you so we can get a whole bunch of people to go with us when he comes back. We are concerned about reaching people. And think about this. These disciples walk along, they see a blind man, and what they should have said was, Jesus, look, at the blind man. He's never seen his family. He's never seen his kids. He's never seen his parents. He's never seen a flower. He's never seen the ocean. Lord, would you open his eyes. And instead... They said, hey, uh, Lord, uh, tell us the theology about this situation right here. Who's sin, this man or his parents? That's terrible. Now, verse 3, if you do want your theology blown away, Jesus said neither. <laughs> you know what he's saying? He's saying, tell us, don't get so concerned over sin. We're going to take care of sin. Get concerned about the person. I'm going to do something that's going to take care of all sin. <laughs> that, that's not the problem. Neither this man nor his parents did but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Isn't that a great story? That should have been the end of the story right there. That's a great story. It's wonderful. Now, it, it does show Jesus in a different light. And some of you have probably never seen Jesus in this life. The Bible says that Jesus spit. Uh, matter of fact, the Greek word, now you're not going to believe me, but the Greek word here is for spat is tattooing. That's the truth. (laughs) And and I know that you probably never thought of Jesus like this, but I'm gonna have to help you. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went (laughs) of Then he put his fingers in it and rubbed it around. Then he smeared it on a guy's face and said, go wash. I'm surprised he didn't say, I didn't need to go wash before you smeared mud on my face. But he did. He went washed, and he came back to me he healed. Now, is this a good story? And don't you think everybody would be happy about this man getting healed? Well, everybody wasn't happy about it. What? Watch the talking the talking that goes on, the theology. Watch the word "said" in the next few verses. Just watch how many times you see the word "said." All right. Look at verse eight. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, it "Is not this he who sat in bed. Some said, "This is he." Others said, "He is like him." He said, "I'm him." It's me. <laughs> They're sitting around arguing. Can't you see the little, the little group there? They're all, you think that's him? I don't think it's him. Well, it looks like it's a bit like that. I mean, maybe it's his twin or something. And he's going, him, fellas, hey, it's me. It's me. And they're all arguing about if this is him or not. All right? I mean, it's just crazy, you know? Now, watch, watch the next verse. Verse 10. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes open? He's in trouble about this. He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay. Now, that's a nice way to say what Jesus did. (laughs) Doesn't even go into the details of how he made the clay. And anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. Isn't that good? Simple. But he's in trouble. This guy's in trouble. So they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. I don't know. You know, this guy's been so much trouble. Look at the next verse. So they brought him, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. Why? Why do you have to go to the Pharisees? Can you imagine? Okay, come on. Come on. You're not supposed to get healed. Let's go talk to the Pharisees. Come on. We're going to straighten this out. What did he do? The guy didn't even, do you know what? He didn't even ask to be healed. Did you ever notice that? He didn't even ask. He was just sitting there minding his own blind business just sitting there, and Jesus walks along, heals the guy, and now they say, come on, we're going to talk to the Pharisees. You should have stayed blind. <laughs> so they go and go and talk to the Pharisees. Verse 14, it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay. That's a no-no. Don't ever heal somebody on the Sabbath, you know. Then the Pharisees also asked him again. I want you to notice the word again. Ask him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. You notice the story's getting shorter. <laughs> Listen, guys, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I got healed, all right? I wasn't asking for it. He put clay on my eyes, I washed, and I see. Okay? All right, now, watch this. Now, watch the talking again. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs?" And there was a denomination among them. Now, you think I'm taking liberty here, and I'm not making fun of denominations, but I want you to understand something. You know what the root of the word denomination is? Denomo. It's the Greek word denamo. Do you know what it means? Well, let me ask you this. What would you do in for you math buffs? All right? Now some of you tune me out now, but for those of you who know math, what do you do when you have a denominator? You divide. The word denamo means to divide. The word denomination is means a division. That's what it means. A division. Now I'm not putting down denominations because we're non denominational. Please don't 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 hear me on that. What I'm saying is, isn't it sad that we've had one division after another after another after another after another? The body of Christ just keeps dividing. And that's what they did here. They divided. They had the two denominations. They had the spitters and the non spitters, right there. So, Verse 17, watch this. They said to the blind man, again, notice the word again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said he's a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. This thing just keeps getting bigger and bigger, doesn't it? I mean, they're, they're, now they're going to bring his parents in and talk to him. And they asked him, saying, is this your son whom you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but by what means he now sees, we don't know. Or he opened his eyes, we do not know. Now watch this. He's of age, ask him, he'll speak for himself. (laughs) They didn't want to ask him. (laughs) They'd already asked him, they didn't like his answer. Now, his parents said this because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed he was Christ, he'd be kicked out of church. If anyone believes in this healing stuff, if anyone believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still for today, we're going to kick you out of church. I've been there. I got kicked out. I was a a very prominent evangelist in a denomination. that the, 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 The denomination actually did my booking. They they did the booking for me and they had me booked in two and a half years of area wide crusades and when I said yes I believe in this they can't they said well then we need to cancel every meeting we have scheduled with you. And they came out. Now here's the good thing. This guy got kicked out by the way. The good thing is that it says that Jesus heard that he got kicked out and went and found me. And that's the same thing that happened to me. The Lord heard I got kicked out and came and found me. And what I got now is a whole lot better than what I did have. So, I, yes, I do believe in, in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm not ashamed of it either. So, the, the parents said, that's why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. Now, verse 24. So, they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know this man's a sinner. He answered and said, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Is that good? In other words, they say, well, listen, let me tell you, we know that you're off on some wrong theology believing in this baptism in the Spirit and all that stuff. And he, he said, well, let me tell you what I do know. I've blind now, see. i was lost now, found. I've been bondage, found free. That's what I know. That's what I know. Now, this is, you're not even going to believe the next verse. You're not even going to believe it. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How how did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, but you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Watch this. Do you also want to become his disciples? (laughs) That's pretty good, wasn't it? Then they reviled him. now Now they're getting mad. You were his disciple, but we're Moses' disciple. We know God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. Now watch his answer here. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he has opened my eyes. Is that good? Have you ever had people say to you, you know, heathens of the devil? You ever heard that? You know what you ought to say to that? Why, this is a marvelous thing that you think helping people is of the devil. Or how about this? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are of the devil. Let me just tell you something. This book never says the gifts of the Holy Spirit are of the devil. And you better not say it either. You better be very careful attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the devil. You better be very careful doing that. They are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He says, well, this is a marvelous thing. <laughs> I even had one, I remember one guy saying to I don't know where this healing stuff's from. I said, this is a marvelous thing. But you don't know where healing is from. And yet he opened my eyes. Now we know Watch the Word of Wisdom take over. This is what I'm getting you to, the Word of Wisdom. Now, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. That's wisdom. They answered and said, "Well, you were born in sin. Do you think you're going to teach us?" And they kicked him out. You know what they said? What you know what they meant by born in sin? Here's what they meant: Well, you've never even been to seminary, and you think you can teach us? You know why they said that? Because they couldn't answer him. See, a word of wisdom is unanswerable in the natural. He said, "If he weren't from God, he could do nothing." They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say. That's a word of wisdom. Now, how many of you need a word of wisdom? How many of you have a situation where you need a word word of knowledge? Or you need discerning the spirits? I don't want you to be afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They are good, and we need them, and we need the Holy Spirit every day. To reveal things to us that we're going through. We need them in our marriage. We need them in our family. We need them in our home. We need them in our job. We need them in our life. We need them in our health situations. We need them in our financial situations. We need them in our relationships. We need the Holy Spirit. And we need words of knowledge. And we need discerning the spirits. And we need words of knowledge.